the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Well, welcome to The Aggressive Life today. I think we got a good one for you today. I'm going to try to open up my personal circle to you a bit. I I like spending time with people who stimulate me. And this person has definitely stimulated me. Her name is Wendy Lee. She is an entrepreneur extraordinaire. She's a very, very wise person. And we're going to talk with her today. Wendy Lee is a lot of things. She's an experienced technology CEO. She's a board director for some of the biggest corporations in the world. She's a skilled strategist known for valuable insight. In the wake of her 20-plus year career, you'll find hundreds of top-performing startups, successful entrepreneurs, and growing companies. She is the common denominator among them. She's recognized for success that spans industries and sectors. She's worked with giants like Procter & Gamble, Kroger, Fifth Third Bank. She's advised the state of Ohio, Kentucky, and even Taiwan. Oh, my goodness. I could keep talking about all of the awards she's won, but enough of that. I also count her as a friend. It is really an honor to be with this cutting-edge woman, an aggressive woman. Welcome to the aggressive life, Wendy Lee. Thank you very much, Brian. And mostly I've been working in the state of Colorado. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's where I live now. So just let's give a shout out for this beautiful state of Colorado. How in the world could you possibly go from beautiful Cincinnati to disgusting Colorado? That had to be a really hard, a hard change for you to go through. It was a stretch. (laughs) I just got back from Colorado. I, uh, I took off my wife and I, and we we camped in six states over the span of twelve days, awesome. and we ended up in Colorado. Which I'm out there again. I'm going. Why do I not live here? Tell us about the best thing about being in Colorado. Access to the mountains right behind me, Sanitas Trail. Are you hitting them a lot? Oh yeah, in the morning and at night. Not every day, but a lot of days to wash off my wall-to-wall Zoom life. Well, Wendy is a board director with Techstars. That's the number one global network for entrepreneurs in the world. They're the leading accelerator, all that stuff. You're not in that world unless you know something about taking risks, something about pushing forward, something about not waiting for things, actually making things that happen. Wendy, why don't you just give us a little sermon here on, on what aggression and what moving forward means for you. Just give us a little pep talk. Okay, well, a little clarification. I stepped down from the Techstars board last year, but I'm still very, very involved in all ways Techstars. So just to be accurate on our our podcast today. Um, So in in my world, in my head and heart, um, the only way to operate as a human is to step forward every day. To do that, though, there is a management of fear that has to happen. 
And we allow this fear, uncertainty, and doubt to grab our best selves like a little spider building a web. And over my many years of life, um, many decades, I have learned how to set myself free from that web. And by setting myself free from that web, I then seed the path forward. What, what is it you think that keeps us from staying in that web? Most people are in a web, they don't even realize they're in one. They just feel like they're comfortable. Well, it, it almost seems like a blanket. We think it's a pretty web and it feels like it's all around us. It really suffocates the life out of us. The life of moving forward. I don't mean the life of life, but the life of moving forward. And so what I really do most every day, especially in COVID time, with wall-to-wall Zoom experiences every day, is I wake up and say, okay, I will not allow that fear, uncertainty, and doubt to strangle me and reduce my ability to take a risk, meaning just move forward. And That's really fascinating. I have, to, I have to do that. Otherwise, I can't do the work I'm doing right now, which we'll talk about, which is crisis management and this economic times in our state. That's the work I do now, 15 hours a day. You have to not go into that work with a web around you. Otherwise, you can't do the work because you can't even hear the needs of anybody because you're so tangled up in your own brain. Does that make sense? The, totally. That I, I love that idea of, is it a web or it, is it a blanket? Because I think we get confused in those things. It's just like the old story of, you know, we're sitting in our poopy diapers. We're like a little infant sitting in our poopy diapers, but it's mine and it's warm, so I'll take it. And we just get immune to the possibilities that are out there. And I think you're onto something really, really well. A lot of people are, are, are shackled when they think it's a blanket. Not true. I, I, I think so. And I think it's heavy when it's a blanket. So how can you take a risk? How can you move forward if you have heaviness around you? Now, back to the mountains, I'm, I'm lucky, fortunate, blessed that every morning and every night, and again, I sit here 15 hours a day and I'm not exaggerating. That's the work I'm doing right now as a crisis leader for Energize Colorado. And But in the evenings and in the mornings, I get to walk around and kind of notice nature, the power of God through nature and these gorgeous mountains and these gorgeous sunrises and sunsets. And I say, let go of that heaviness. Otherwise, I can't lead because I can't hear. I have a volunteer group of 200 people and I've got to move them every day to take a step forward to serve their communities in this time of crisis. And it takes a lot of energy to do that. But if I let go of that blanket or that web that overpowers me, I'm much more effective as a leader. Tell me about the crisis management you're doing. Who, who are you interacting with? Is there, are there any constant counsel that you're giving to people? Is there constant or consistent struggles you're finding across different industries? Yeah, yeah. So uh, great question. So working with the state of Colorado, I'm leading an organization, a nonprofit called Energize Colorado. We are serving a wide swath of the economy here. All local business across the state, all entrepreneurs across the state, all nonprofits across the state. 
the contingent workforce across the state. Our economy here, very different from Ohio. We don't have very large global companies headquartered here. We have a lot of hourly workers, seasonal workers, restaurant workers, a lot of local business, a lot of tourism, yes? And so we set this organization up to help provide guidance, programs, services through our website and our own interactions to help these communities, these segments of the economy, get relief through capital, navigate through this period so they can reopen safely and stay open, and then to help them imagine the remaking of this Colorado economy, which used to be in the top heap, but like so many others now, we are suffering. But going back to your question, I couldn't do this work if I didn't set myself free from the burden of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. To me, that is the way I move forward and help others. Man, one of the things that you went off on a rant over, we had a discussion, gosh, a while ago. I've thought about it a lot. I think it I hope you can remember what you were saying, because I think there's something in it for us. You were, it was during one of the last economic slowdowns, and you said, don't make your money on your money. Do you remember what you were talking about? Could, could, you, could you blow that out a little bit? I so do, and I so feel that way even more so today than I ever did. So the, the concept there is when you're an entrepreneur— you're building a product or service. So your ultimate success in all ways and financially is tied to the building of something, which comes from identifying a need, right? Having a vision about the market. And, And so that process is very dear to me, which doesn't equal everything I've tried to build was successful, just the opposite. But a lot of learnings have come from building towards a vision where you could actually take a product or service to a specific market. Okay, so that's just how I roll. I'm not saying it's right, that's just how I roll. So when I hear financial wealth managers, that whole word kind of bugs me, Um, but but they exist and they, they do the work that wealth managers do. They take assets, they create a a diversified strategy, and they invest those assets. And by the way, I'm part of that too, so I can't be mad about that. But I keep saying, like, what are you making here? You, 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 You probe me a little bit for my needs, like I'm I'll be 66 in June, right? So I don't have as much time left as someone in their 40s or 30s, right, to actually create a path for my life and my family so we can live in a comfortable way, right, in a manner in which we become accustomed, yes? Yes. So when they talk to me about, well, you know, this this equity manager or this what, I'm like, what do they do? Do they make anything? Because I need to invest with people who make things. And if Mm. all they're doing is forecasting or trying to predict what 
a sector or a segment is going to do. I'm not saying they're not smart. Please don't get me wrong. These are smart people, but they have formulas. And I would prefer to invest money with people who make things, with visions. And that's why for a, a, a while, and still do a little bit, not as much as I used to, I invested in startups. Why? Those are people that are making things. Mm. They're building things. Now, the, the failure rate is high. That's risk. But if your heart says that's where you think you should invest, then you should go do that. Now, I work on both sides of the street now at 66. I do have money in the markets. I want you to know that. I do invest money in portfolio managers through a family office. So that's important for you to know. But I am very cranky with them. Right. And they, <laughs> and they know that. No, you are not cranky. Wendy, you've never been cranky. You are always a bright little ray of sun that is always willing to go with the flow. Come on. I am just the opposite of that. <laughs> but I am a happy, cranky person. And I love the debate. Right. I love the debate. So I am grateful that you took me back to that. By the way, as we rethink our next phase of an economy, let's don't call it new because I think that's a stupid expression for what we're going yes, into. It is. It's stupid. I don't like it. Next, we all have to be part of remaking this next phase of Ohio, of Colorado, of the U.S., of the world. And when yeah. it comes to the economics of that and the drivers of that, I would like us to reinvigorate, if that's the right word, um, the notion of making. I don't care what anyone says. I think there will be a, res a resurgence of entrepreneurial spirit and makers through entrepreneurship that will bring this economy to its next iteration. Right. Well, one of the one of the phrases that I've never liked, it won't surprise anybody, is is the idea of passive income. You know, the idea I can I can put my money someplace and just and, have it produce money. Right. Right. That's just that's just that's just ridiculous. I mean, even if you put it in the market and you're getting a return on your money, <laughs> you better darn be aggressive about vetting the right money manager. You better darn be aggressive about making sure that's in the right places. And this fantasy that we have of if I make the right decisions, I'll just get to a place where financially things will work out. I've just not found that to be the case. In fact, I'm finding for myself, Wendy, the only reason anything ever works out for me financially is I'm trying to grow the thing that I've started and I'm getting a regular paycheck. Comment, and, and, please. And, 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 there is an accountability to that, yes? Passive suggests just that, that someone else is in charge of that, that I've abdicated that responsibility for my financial well-being to some other person and then through them another person. Not helpful. Now, everything I've invested my energy in and my own personal money has not turned out to be a big success, but it didn't take me down. Like the market can be taken down by some craziness that no one forecasted. And so I have to be intentional about if I do get some passive income from these investments, that that is not a sure bet. What is a sure bet is how I invest my time and my treasure right now. And that's why I am a public servant currently in the state of Colorado. 
investing my time and my money in Energize Colorado because I want to deliver value to the communities I'm part of, which is all small business of many flavors across the state. And it's a perfect time to discuss this. This is being aggressive, but this is also being driven by the fact that I see my life shifting very quickly. My sense of urgency is very deep. Not because of the virus. It just is because I'm like, wow. Yeah, time's ticking down. Time is ticking down, my friend. And I can't sit here and wait like a Southern belle for someone to come knock on my door and say, oh, here's an opportunity for you to serve. I have to be in the body of a public servant, active public servant right now as a volunteer leading. And that's what I'm doing. Well, you're a rare person, Wendy, not in just that you've got such a a wide variety of business experience and in different sectors of the economy, but you're also just really rare in that you've got a very youthful outlook that's seasoned with a very, well, seasoned with a very seasoned track record. You know, most folks who are you mentioned 66, 66, or shoot 55, 54, I'm 50, am I 54 or 53? 55, well, I don't know, somewhere in there. <laughs> Most people who are, are have stopped asking questions, we've stopped trying to forecast forward, just trying to hang on. So you mentioned that this is not the new, this is the next. Just put your wisdom hat on for us and tell us how you see things being different permanently going forward. Okay, I will. Um, Again, this is a hypothesis. This is not a research paper, right? I have not vetted this out. So one of the things I see differently or see that will change, that must change and will change, is the impact of equity and diversity and inclusion in this next economy, right? And, you know, it's always been a challenge. It's been a challenge for generations going before now. I think, though, that the crack, the depth and breadth of the crack that we're now exposing to, there will be an opportunity for those that are in business, that are commercial operators, to hear the value of that discussion differently and the value of those employees that represent diversity, right, equity. Let me give you a good example. So why is it? that if I'm an Uber driver, that I would not be perceived as valuable to working for a technology company, let's say Slack. Slack has a big regional office here. Well, if you look in my resume, right, and it says for the last two years, I've, I've been a gig economy worker, right? I am a woman of color. I have kids, I have, I'm a community activist. Why wouldn't I be able to qualify to be a part of an organization, a technology highbrow organization like Slack, you know, publicly traded company? Why wouldn't I? Well, well, to be clear, you're not a woman of color, just in case. Of, Wendy has zero color. Okay? She's talking hypothetically <laughs> yeah, here. That's right. Hypothetically. <laughs> she has zero. She's very colorful. She has zero color. Go, go ahead. I, but, I don't want you to misrepresent yourself. No, I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that now these organizations, regardless of sector, are going to realize that the quality of expertise 
right, is agnostic to all these other lens that we have optimized for in the past, right? And so I think we're going to see a big difference there, a big difference. And that's, I want to be a part of that difference. Another thing is I think small businesses who, you know, they kind of got the Facebook thing and maybe they got the Twitter thing. So there was a social media thing they kind of got, they put that label in their storefront. You know, that was easy peasy. That's low hanging fruit from a customer acquisition standpoint. I think a lot of these businesses will also start being more proactive online, right? Very proactive. Like they will be able to take, you know, a Shopify shopping cart, embed it on a Facebook platform and start serving uh, their capabilities, their products and services that way. And they should. Let me tell you why. I think consumer demand is going to be different. I think the behaviors of people like you and me and everyone else, every now and then I'd stroll down to Pearl Street in Boulder and I would go into a shop and look at cards. Not so sure. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think there's going to be a ramp. I think while we're ramping back into what average people on average day feel safe, whatever that means, relative to PPE, relative to testing, and the solutions that we need to ensure safety, there's there's a ramp there. It, that's time for small businesses to be deliberate and intentional about looking and seeing how can I shift my digital footprint and create a, a sense of contactless yep. energy and solutions. I, I think this is worth exploring. I think that's going to be different. Uh, oh, let me let me before we keep this is great, Wendy. Let me let me just wait weigh in on what you just said there too. This is this is really important. It's what we've learned, what I've been learning. There's there's three types of media. There is earned media, there is rented, and there is owned. Earned is when the local news station sees you've done something really well, you've earned it, and they do a story on you. Rented is the Facebook platform. It's the Twitter. You haven't created it, you're renting it. And then owned is your own email list, your own web page, your own whatever. And I, I keep telling people this, like earned stuff rarely comes around and you better not be beholden on rented because Facebook and those rap bastards, they change the game all the time and they change it to suit themselves. They don't change to suit your business. So use it there to get yourself going, but you've got to aggressively work on your own digital platform or, or licensing something that you actually control. And we're all publishers because the tools are available and you're just being lazy if you don't use them. And there are many platforms, you're right, that you can stand up. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have stores on Pearl Street. I'm not saying that. But I think all these businesses, not all, many will kind of lean into that in a different way. Another thing I want to say, um, I am active. I love yoga and I love Pilates. I love going to my yoga studio, by the way. And I love going to my Pilates studio. And I have one in my own house. That shows you how blessed I am. And I still like going to my Pilates studio to see my instructor and to see my friends. Not sure how that's going to be. I'm not saying it's a zero, but I think now that Wendy Lee has for months done yoga through Zoom and done Pilates through Zoom, my consumer behavior, my behavior has changed. Let me tell you what thing has changed. We have learned to tune in differently. We can't just notice 
and be there with you and feel that vibe, which is very important in a yoga studio or a church. It's not just that now. Our kinesthetic muscles are shifting. That's why podcasts are going like, that market's growing like crazy. It's not just because we all have a small a smartphone. It's it's it was perfectly timed for podcasting to make a comeback. And now it's perfectly timed for tools like Zoom to help us stay connected to those things that matter. It's perfect. But those that are struggling are that have not learned to tune in to be precise. I think that's a very important message because it goes back to the inner connection that is required to really be in this particular time in our society. And I will tell you, I'm very lonely. I don't have family here. I don't have a dog anymore. It's just me and a gorgeous little urban house that I built from scratch that I'm very blessed to have. So it's so beautiful and it's next to the mountains. All that's good. But I don't have family in Colorado. I don't have a partner that lives with me. I do not have kids. And I think the longer I sit here in my Zoom world, in my Hollywood squares of Zoom leading, uh, the the more, um, it's not anxious, it's not the right word, but the more mindful I I am about what it's going to be like to re-enter that world. And the energy and the spirit required to re-enter, not with grace, but with courage. Wendy, one of the things that's always um, attracted me to you is your strength. And you just made a strong statement that is the way a lot of people feel but aren't strong enough to say it. You said, I am lonely. This has been the epidemic. This has been a pandemic in our culture long before COVID-19 came around. The loneliness is just skyrocketing up. Man, if, if, if we could figure out how to crack that nut, we would see society be much, much healthier. Ideas on that? Well, um, let me be specific. Um, I see the crises in three buckets. Of course, it started with COVID and that pandemic. And then, of course, that triggered economic disaster, which we're trying to figure out. And I'm confident we will. I'm on the sunny side of the street. I mean, I am optimistic just by nature, but problem solving, we'll get through it. Um, But still, those are two crises. The mental health crises is significant. And that's not just because the New York Times does articles about it. I want to represent that crisis. Lonely is lonely. And there is a level of internal uh, craziness for me. I'm not speaking for others because I wonder, like, uh, well, you know, who am I anymore? What do I represent? Why Why am I so motivated right now and driven to invest 15 hours a day in this awesome nonprofit called Energize Colorado? Wendy, you were always a workaholic, and then you got kind of balanced out in the spirit of it all and moving here. And now look at you. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about your things to do. Why is that? Are, what are you doing? Why can't you keep space, keep space opened right? Not just for the work of it, 
but for the love of it and to be open to love and new spirit and new ideas. It's because I'm lonely, people-wise, personally. So when I'm lonely personally, what do I do? Overinvest professionally, right? right? Now, the good news is that my overinvestment professionally is through volunteerism, through public service, and that is heart-filling. So different from just normal work that I'd get paid for or paycheck or whatever, um, this is completely volunteer work. So I can be hard charging and I can be heart rewarded, right? And heart opening. And so the, the fulfillment I get from it is very holistic. And that prevents a little of the loneliness. But I got to tell you, there are nights that it's a dark night, even when the stars are out. Because, yeah. and I'm not afraid, but I'm just like, when am I ever going to want to even get out? And when I do, will I be recognized? Have I just gone dark, like in my soul? Yeah, right? this is this is humanity, Wendy. This is what it means to be human. We can we can say all we want that accomplishments and resources in the bank is going to do it for. It doesn't. I mean, we we need to be around people. That's that's what I'm so concerned with this whole COVID nineteen stuff. I need human interaction beyond a screen, and we're not getting that, and it doesn't fare well for us. We've got to figure this out. Well, I, you know, I, I want to be on both sides of that street, although I've just expressed very honestly with you how I feel. And um, I, I do think, at least for me now, and I'm deep in, I read every day, it's my job to understand as much of the science as I can. Right. I don't have yeah. to be an expert on it, but I have to stay informed because I am consulting with and informing businesses on what to do. Right. So I can't right. just be cavalier about it. And I respect science, even though I'm not a scientist, um, but my brain can go there. And so I do. I, I think this is a, this thing that's happening, this pandemic. It's a wicked thing. And I think it's a real thing. Yeah, uh, and I, and I'm, I, I, so I want to say that out loud. I don't think this is going to magically go away and, you know, everything's going to go back to normal. I know, I know that for sure it's not, at least from an economic standpoint, because, again, I'm not a doctor or an epidemiologist. But I do think we're at a point where all of us as individuals, all we can do as individuals is kind of check in inside ourselves and say, look, let's just notice how we're feeling, back to this mental illness thing. Let's notice how we're feeling. Let's notice how long we've been in the depths of this. What can we do right now to start being more assertive? Back to the way you started. How can I take a, take a step forward that would allow me to start interacting with those I care for, right? And at least going up and down my street and in the mountain, when I see someone and a complete stranger, I want to stop and look them in the eye, right? I don't want to keep my mask on and keep my head down. I want right. to stop, acknowledge them. I want to smile to them, with them, to them, and say, it's good to see you. Mm. Good day. Yes. And, yes. and that's what I'm now doing. To And this is enlightened in my self-interest because I am so lonely. I don't expect mm. anything from them. I don't know them, but I have to start doing that because I feel I'm going dry inside, yeah. right? 
And so that has been helpful to me, not to keep my headphones on, keep my head down in my mask and kind of do it to get fresh air, but to really look for opportunities to interact and to be grateful and to express that to others. Strong, Wendy. Strong. Dag. All right. Are you ready for the lightning round? This is how we like to conclude our podcast. The lightning round is I say something to you and you like, you give it to me really quick, really quick, nice, short, little quick hitters. Are you ready, Wendy Lee? I promise. All right, here we go. You've been recognized as a woman of influence in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. What does that mean to you? Leadership. Okay, boy, that's that's lightning right there. Just one word. Okay, that's very impressive. Maybe that's too much lightning, Wendy. Expertise. <laughs> Expertise. Expertise. How about this? How about this? What 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 is it like for you to be a woman of influence? Do you do you like that uh, that you're called out as that, or would you just rather be a person of influence? Um, being a woman of influence is fine with me. I, I, I'm not bothered by that at all. I'm quite grateful for that, and I think it is unique. Um, to be a woman leader, there are different strengths and weaknesses that have to be managed. And I think in terms of expertise, you know, sometimes you have to break some paradigms to be perceived as an expert and fill in the blank as a woman. I'm not going to say you have to work harder, but I think there are some elements of that that need to, that I take, um, I'm humbled by to be a woman of influence and an expert in what I'm an expert in, which is customer so is there, relationship management. Is is there a go-to habit you have that you feel like you're you do because you're a woman that you wouldn't have to do if you were a man? Anything in your toolbox that you want to well, share I, with us? I over prepare. I mean, I because I, I I'm the oldest child, so I want to get an A, mm. right? Yeah. And so if you want to get an A, then you over prepare. And I've always felt that, at least as I was growing up, remember, I'm 66, and as I was growing up, it seemed like the men always got the attention in class. And so I wanted to be raise my hand first, and to do that, I had to really study. And I liked studying, so it was very natural. Best advice for being a leader? Have a high level of self-awareness. So knowing yourself is an absolute must if you're going to be a good leader. That's great. Hardest people to work with are those who are deluded about themselves. Oh, my lordy me. It's just crazy. What you're looking for when you hire a new employee? Curiosity. Hutzpah. You know, problem-solving ability. Um and range relative to style. If folks are too stylistic, oftentimes they don't play well with others because they expect others to be like them or they want to be overbearing with their style. That's good. Disciplines you've adopted that have paid the most dividends in your career? Preparing which comes through a lot of reading. Thank goodness for Google. So I love that research. I love the reading. I love to assimilate that. That's a discipline. But beyond that, I'm just curious. 
And I like to pack that in my brain and let it find its little storage bins. And then I like to pull that together to deliver value with, right? So I'm just, that's a big discipline thing. That's good. All right, last one. Biggest failure in your career and how did you rebound? Uh, For sure, my biggest failure was a startup that I led and invested big money in, seven figures in San Francisco. Um, I fell in love with it. I, you know, I wasn't the founder. I was just going to be the CEO. You know, I was just the CEO, which was a big job. How did I get over it? Um, I processed it uh, every day in a journal. I wrote down all the things I wish I could have, wish I could have done differently, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Um, I did a lot of yoga and meditation to let the grief out of my body because I disappointed so many people in my mind. You know, I let the employees down, I let the investors down, I let our customers down by not being able to make good on the mission we had, which was very unique. Um, it was like, I really don't like letting people down. And that, and that broke me, like it was just, and I was 60 when this happened. Right. I mean, I was 55 ish when this happened and it was such uh, it was such a failure in my mind. Mm. It was such a failure. So those are the things I did, the tactics. And then to tell you about going back to our beginning, how awesome things happen in the pit of despair. So I was about to have my 60th birthday. I was processing the grief of this failure. I felt embarrassed and it was just awful. And I get a call from Spencer Stewart to consider coming to Cincinnati to be the CEO of Centrifuge. How about Mm. that? Wow. And so I was healed through all the rituals, or at least I processed a lot of the grief and sorrow and sadness and disappointment. But what really helped me be the zenith coming from the pit of despair is finding a new community and new work and a different way to contribute the expertise that I had developed. Without that, I'm not sure I'd be doing what I'm doing today, right, for the state right. of Colorado. Wendy, you've dropped so much wisdom on us. You've been very, very generous generous with us. Uh, th- thank you so much. If people want to connect with you or see what's going on in your life or your world or your, or your organizations, uh, any way they can do that, books, podcasts, social media handles, this is your time to promote yourself. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, a lot of people know that, so you can search for that very easily. But also you can just email me, I'm good with that. And, and I do my best to keep up with emails. It's wendy at wendylee.com. That's impressive. There's been very few guests in the aggressive life who've given their email. Wendy Lee, you're an aggressive and good woman and a friend who I'm thankful for. Likewise, I feel the same. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to see you again and to do this podcast with you. And I can't wait to see it out in the live. Well, all right, Wendy. Well, next time I'm in Colorado, maybe I'll look you up. Until then, have a great and aggressive life. This has been Brian Tim and Wendy Lee on The Aggressive Life. Okay, see you later, alligator. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. 
Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.